Thank you for the great love and the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus, my Christ, my Savior, my King. Oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God, oh, Lord God. I praise thee, oh, Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. hallelujah. Wonderful to be in God's house this morning. I know there's some folks that wish they were. There's a lot of sickness going around. So you be sure to pray uh, that God will give them a good touch and that you will stay free of all germs and things that are going around, okay? If you have a Bible, I want to turn your attention to the book of Psalms this morning. I'd like to turn your attention to Psalm 127. Psalm 127. Psalm 127 reads on this wise, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman walketh but in vain, or waketh but in vain. Everybody said praise the Lord. Lord. I want to work for a little while this morning on building in a worthy manner. You may be seated, the Lord bless you. When something is vain, it is worthless. It is of no value whatsoever. That's what the word, one definition of the word vain. And it's certainly what is meant here. It's just to accept the Lord. Unless, unless the Lord is building the house, then, uh, and, and except, uh, it goes on to say, except the Lord keep the city. In other words, if he's not doing it, then it's, it's all vanity. I think you have read that also in Ecclesiastes. He talked about not only vanity, but he talked about the vanity of vanities, and how extreme it could get. Jesus made a statement also in the New Testament, and he talked about people who made a long pretense for prayer and vain repetitions. And they, were, they just say the same thing over and over and over again. There's nothing really coming from the heart. It's a, he called it a vain repetition, a worthless repetition. Just whatever you're doing here, God is saying it is of no value. And we want to build with value here. We want to do, uh, build a life that has value to it. It has quality to it. It has the characteristics of God, the character of God uh, there that it will display. Scripture talked about the uh, fruit of the Spirit as opposed to if you just have works of the flesh, well, you're, you're in a worthless situation then. We've got to be building something right here. We've got to build something correctly here. We've got to, uh, what did it say about the, the Lord? It said uh, that the, the builders, they set him aside. They, they thrust him out. They looked down on him. They did not recognize the value that Jesus Christ brought. And so they consequently placed themselves in, in the category of the vain or the worthless or the useless. They made themselves obsolete. You know, the stone, it said, which the builders set it not. The builders completely misread it. And they were looking at, at the stone. They were looking at the rock. They were looking at Jesus. And, but they they just cast him aside. They looked down. They said, that's no good, and that's worthless. But everything they were saying about him became true of themselves because the Scripture went on to say the, the, the stone that the builders set it not. They said there's nothing to that. The same became the head of the corner. So when, when the Spirit of the Lord is behind something, when the Spirit of the Lord is doing something, then you can understand that it's not going to be vain. It is written, he that believeth, uh, not only he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but it's also telling you that he that believeth shall not make haste. He shall not be confounded. That person's faith and belief is not going to be a vain thing, not going to be a worthless thing, not if you're basing it on the word of the Lord, the chapter and the verse. 
We want to know what we believe and why we believe it. We want to be able to explain it. We want to be able to witness it. We want to be able to give it to every man, woman, boy, and girl of every country and every continent and every nation and every race. We, we, what we have works in anybody's life, it can, and it will build a good life. It will build not only a holy life, but it will build a life that is worth building. It will have value to it in that final analysis when that day comes. After all, it is written that uh, the Lord knows those worthies, and then in the end, he will recount the worthies. He's going to recount people that have built it right. Now, Jesus said, He that believeth, uh, he that um, heareth my sayings and doeth them, he said, I'll show you to whom he's like. God's going to give you an example here. And he says, I'm going to show you that he's likened to a person that digs deep. And he begins to build his foundation on the rock. And that in so doing, then, as opposed to that, you've got he that heareth my sayings, Jesus said, and does not do them. And he said that person builds without a foundation. So you see a major difference there. We got somebody that's wise because they're hearing what Jesus is saying and his words are inspiring them to dig deep and begin to lay a foundation. Now there is no other foundation other than Christ Jesus. And the church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. This is what is pictured in Revelation. This is that city that's coming down from God Almighty out of heaven. Oh, friend, we're not talking about building something flimsy here. We're not talking about just going out where the little kids say, don't, don't build your house on the sandy land. They're not going out there. We're not going out there and just build straight on the sand. You know, you can look out here and you see a lot of what looks like sand, but see under that sand, dug down deep to the rock. That's what that sand is sitting on. All that which is unable to sustain and give stability has been cleared out. It had a big old uh, machine that just dug all that out. That's that big mountain you got back here. And that's nice for something, but it's not good to build on because it absolutely cannot support anything. It's like water. Have you never read in the scripture where one individual and his tribe was described as unstable as water? We want to build, and what did Isaiah said? That stability would be the wisdom of thy times. The church is stable. The church is solid. It is built upon a rock. And Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is the stone that they looked down their nose at. This is what they said it's nothing. And yet Jesus became and is the head of the corner. There's no stopping what God is doing. They'll never be able to overthrow what God has placed and set in motion. When God said, you too, because he said, I'll show you to whom you'll be like, in other words. You'll be, if you'll be wise and hear my sayings, and again, if you'll be wise and get the oil in the vessel with the lamp, and the wise here are doing things according to the plan and the word of God. And in doing that, that he said, you dig deep and you build that foundation on the rock. You make sure you learn how the church did it and how the church does it. They came preaching Acts 2.38. They came telling people to repent of their sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Woo! Yes, Lord. Thank God and thank God. Yes, sir. Was there opposition? Oh, yeah. There's going to be opposition. But the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The enemy's going to try on every hand to stop the forward progress of the church, the forward marching of the church. Jesus was met with much opposition in the days of his flesh. And, of course, to the point that he even warned his uh, disciples. And he said, they're going to take me, and they're going to beat me, and they're going to eventually crucify me. And, of course, uh, Peter wanted to try to somehow show his loyalty and, and, and in the flesh, and he grabbed the, the hilt of his sword, and he was ready to defend the Lord, and not going to let that happen, and the Lord had to set him straight. 
and had to let them know we have to savor the things that are of God. We have to put the things of the Spirit first. And I determined myself this morning that I said I'm going to change my attitude by prayer and the grace of God. And if God looks at something that is suffering and He allows me to go through it, then, then that's a good thing. That's a worthy thing. That's a valuable thing. That means I can leap for joy and rejoice because formers before me went through things and you become a part of an elite group. If you're suffering for doing good, well, okay, you know, but when you or, or for bad rather, then okay, you deserve it. But if you're doing good and suffering comes your way, tribulation comes your way, affliction comes your way, hard times come your way, then the Bible is telling you that God is pleased with such sacrifice. When you don't lose your truth, you don't lose your favor and your trust in God, you don't lose your foundation because you dug deep and you built it right and you know when the storm comes and it will come. But the house that's built without the foundation it fell and great was the fall of it. But that which is on the foundation, now that stood. That stood. This truth has stood the test of time. It has stood the test of time. No wonder it is written to ask for the old path, wherein is the good way, and walk ye therein. I used to fly. I went to college for aerospace. I actually went for business and went into aerospace. And, uh, you know, it didn't matter how fancy you got with your flying. You always started with and ended with straight and level flight. No matter how many pylons you did or split S's or other types of, of aerobatic maneuvers, you always came back to your basics. You always come back to your foundation. No matter what the devil is throwing around, no matter what is allowed to come your way and God looking right at you, See how you're going to do. See how you're going to react. See how you'll do when he tests your spirit, when he tests your attitude, when he tests the strength of what you've got in you. You know, if you faint in the day of adversity, the book said thy strength is small. You've got to show yourself strong, and you want God to show himself strong. Well, you've got to stand up and raise your heart with your hands and to declare that through the storm, I'm still loving you. I'm still on this foundation. I'm still staying with chapter and verse, the word of the Lord. I will still seek thy face, O God. And I'm looking for your good spirit. I want the fruit of the spirit. I don't want to go back. I don't want to revert to the works of the flesh. I don't want to have a bad attitude. I don't want to have a bad temper. I don't want to be argumentative. I don't want to be filled with hatred. I want the love of God shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost, which he's given unto us. Amen and amen. And everybody said, praise the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13 told you that, you know, though you do all kinds of things and named all kinds of great things and could do all kinds of great things, it said if you don't have that love of God, then you're in a mess. You've got to have that seasoning touch of God's love working behind your gifts or behind uh, your knowledge and your understanding or your faith that moves mountains. You've got to have that love of God. That's got to be the core of your motivation of why you're doing what you're doing. It's not, uh, you don't want to find yourself taken in by a spirit of pride or rebellion. We once had a preacher, a very good preacher for many years, used of God, and, and he, um, but he got, he, got, he got a little bit too much about himself. And uh, this is not to be about ourselves. This is about to be about the work of God. And so he told it on himself. He said that he um, asked the Lord, he said, oh, Lord, you know, things were happening in revivals and wonderful things were taking place and he was being blessed so much. And he said, Lord, he said, show me how I look to you. Now, you know, that question in and of itself is coming from a mind at that moment, an attitude that's telling me, I think I'm pretty cool. I think I'm pretty good. God's going to really show me something. Well, he went to bed and he had a dream all right. Told it himself. And he said in the dream, he said he was standing there looking. And he said he saw these men come by on beautiful giant horses. And they were well armored. And, and, and oh, they were just valiant warriors. And they were, the, he could feel the, the thundering, pounding vibrations from the hooves of those great steed horses that they were riding on as they went past in front of him. And he said, oh, Lord, is that how I look to you? And the Lord said, no. 
this is how you look to me. And it was, showed him a, a donkey coming by and a guy on it, and the guy was kicking the donkey for all he could go, just trying to keep up with them. And he couldn't get up with those horses. He said, that's how you look to me. <laughs> so no wonder it tells you that if, uh, you know, if you exalt yourself, you're going to be abased. And if, I'll, I'll promise you, if you want to go to a basement, just go downstairs. That's a lot safer. If you don't want to go to the basement, God's going to show you if you get exalted. All right? A basement, right? All right. So I'm saying to you, there are, there are things that can get a hold of a human being. And, and in your spirit and in your attitude. And you want to tell yourself, just a minute here, not only am I going to dig deep and build my foundation on the rock, but it talked about the houses. Now, we got to build the houses out of the right material. And that's where you come into teaching in this New Testament teaching to the church. And he's telling you that you want to build out of the right material. There, are, there is likened unto precious metals that a person would use as opposed to wood, hay, and stubble, which he then said that when the fire test comes. Now, you see, when I dig deep, when we dig deep and build a foundation on the rock, and we get this Acts 2.38 straight in our mind. We get repentance straight. We get water baptism in Jesus' name straight. We get the Holy Ghost good and straight. And we get that there's one God. And we get holiness. We get these things straight and righteousness in our spirit, in our heart, in our lives. That we're not going to live for God one way uh, and, then, and then show people one thing and then show another thing to somebody else. But that we're going to be 100% here. That, that there's not fake and there's not phony and there's not hypocritical. There's not put on. But this is us. This is who we are. We are sons and daughters of God because we have been born again. Because now we're digging deep and we got this down on the rock. We've got it on the revelation of who Jesus really is. And you really know his name. It has been revealed to you. It's not just another name. He was not just another one of the prophets risen up. But that he is the almighty God come in the flesh. And that he is the Savior. And he came to save everybody from their sin. You get these things settled. Thy word, O Lord, is forever settled in heaven. Make sure it's settled in your mind and that you're in being made to sit together in heavenly places that you'll fit right in, that you'll be of one mind, and that way you can uh, be in harmony here with God and his plan and what he's doing and what the church is set to do in the earth. And so when you, when you dig deep and you build the foundation on the rock, and then it said the rains come, and it said and, and the flood begins to come, and the wind begins to come. And these forces, these natural forces, all types of spirits that would beat against the house. But not only are you built on the foundation that can withstand that, but you're built out of the right material. You didn't build out of wood, hay, and stubble, but you're built out of precious metals. you built out of things that the Bible is trying to show you can stand the fire test. And that's not only going to be a flood that's going to come against you, not only going to be the boisterous wind, the noisy, uh, heart-rending wind that's going to come against you, but there's going to be a fire test. The, the Hebrew children went into the furnace heated up ten times hotter, and yet they never even smelled of smoke. Not one hair was singed on them, and I want you to know God kept them and protected them. Did they feel effects? Was there swirling things going around them? Sure there was. But the Bible teaches that they come out of that fiery test, my friend, just right. Because as, as they, uh, Daniel had said in the beginning, he said, you test us. You go ahead, we'll put this to a test. We're going to be on a special diet. Well, let me tell you something. When you get on the right diet, that's what's going to produce some Samsons among us. That's what's going to produce some men and women, sons and daughters, and some Samuels, some people that are going to be of the right spirit and the right attitude and have the strength of God in their lives. Come on. Woo! Amen. Amen. That you'll be able to deal with the spirit of rebellion a spirit of pride, that you won't allow these things to re-enter into your life, but that you will have the taken to yourself the whole armor of God, and that you will have that helmet of salvation. And all through the studies of the Word and, and coming, assembling yourselves together as you're supposed to. That's the manner of the church. We go to church. I was glad when the
when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Let us go right into the church and we know how to enter. We enter his courts with thanksgiving and his gates with praise. We don't come here to uh, chase wax down the ear or boogers up the nose. We come here to worship him. We're not here to be thinking and, and our minds distracted in 70 different ways. We come to worship him. This is quality time. This is God's time. This is time we want to spend with him and tell him how great he is and how marvelous he is, how welcome he is in our midst, that we need him. And without you, Lord, there can be nothing accomplished. It will all be in vain if you're not a part of this, Lord. We need you in our midst, oh God. So accept the Lord doing the keeping, except the Lord is doing the building, and it's all in vain. No wonder it said, except you be born again of water and of the Spirit. Except the Lord build the house. Except you be born again of water and of the Spirit. It is a requirement. It is necessary. It is not a, a, a negotiable thing. It is not something that you can take a different option on. Jesus said, you try to climb up some other way, you make yourself a thief and a robber. I didn't do it to you. The preacher didn't do it to you. Nobody did it to you. My great uncle, somebody did it to me, or, or this one did it. You forget all that nonsense. You come to God's house, and you want this foundation, you start digging deep. And we're going to clear all of the bad stuff out of the way, and we're going to get down to the rock. And we're going to fill it in with good, solid material, compactable material, something that the house can sit on in a stabilized manner. We're going, we're not going to have all these cracks going on and, and, and uh, tables falling over and you sit on a chair and you fall over because everything's out of level. No, sir, this is going to be level. This is going to be balanced. We're not going to teach you to be extreme left nor extreme right. Extremism is the devil's job to do to people. That's not God's ministry. God raises up balanced youngins. God tells you to let your moderation, let your balance be known for he is at hand. Come on, the judge standeth at the door. There's a precious harvest to reach. He's given us a little time. His long suffering till it be reaped. He wants us to reap. He wants us to build churches. He wants us to win souls. He wants us to be about his business. That's what he wants. The work you do for God is not vain. The labor you do for the Lord is not in vain. If you're doing it according to chapter and verse. If you're doing it according to subject matter. If you're doing it in the spirit with the right spirit. The right motives. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in spirit. Poor in spirit rather. Which is, if you're poor in spirit, you've got a beautiful spirit. <laughs> and everybody said amen. In other words, you get you out of the way. You get on the, you get, you empty out. We dig out us. We get, we get our dirt out of the way. And Jesus, when we get baptized in his name, he carries it away. And it's remembered no more. And he begins to put clean, clean, cleanliness in your life. He begins to put purity in your life. And your, your motives become right. We're not doing this for money. We have always taught this isn't about getting rich. It does not mean that God can't bless you. It does not mean that God cannot prosper you. But it does mean that you don't need to go around constantly thinking about building a bigger barn. You need to use what's in your barn. You need to use what God's given you. And you need to redistribute that. You need to invest that. You've got the truth. You want to give it to somebody. You've got the blessing. You want to share it with somebody. You absolutely have the truth. You want to uh, witness that to somebody. These are the things you can give. You can give somebody money and they'll come back for more money. You can give a duck a, 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 a something, whatever ducks eat, bread. You can give them and they'll be back the next day right at the same place. Well, I think we can preach that positively. We can preach that negatively. But what I'm saying is the flesh will never be satisfied. But you get somebody the knowledge of the truth. And Fred, you're talking about a satisfied customer. I'm baptized in Jesus' name. I've got the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm not living for riches. I'm not living for the things of this world. I'm trying to do the work of the Lord. Let us rise up in the Holy Ghost. Let us build churches. Let there be no city too strong for us. Let us reach out. And God has allowed out of Belgrade for us to do that. Let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. Everybody said amen. All right. So, realizing that there are things that are connected with God. He is the lawgiver. There are things connected with him that you must do. There is no other way. After all, he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. 
So we can't deviate and pull an extreme right or an extreme left. We, there is no substitute for the fruit of the Spirit. There is no substitute thus for getting the Spirit and getting washed in His blood. These are things that are essential. These are things that are necessary. These are things that are required. The man that became the Apostle Paul, fighting, resisting, using the Word of God to do it, taking authority from men who claimed to be men of God, and then set about to kill people. Well, I don't see that. Don't see that at all. And, and God didn't see it until finally God slapped him down real good and, and lifting up his head and trying to uh, uh, understand what's going on. He, this man who was felt he knew so much and was so very exalted in his own ideas and his own self-righteousness, he, he said, he who thought he knew it all, he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus. Pleased to meet you. How you feeling down there? Not too good. Matter of fact, I can't see. The brightness, it, it, your light was so bright that I now cannot see. Everything around me has gone dim. I'm not, those things that seemed important, they're not important anymore. Let me tell you, you can think that something is so very important and then you find yourself on the deathbed and suddenly those things aren't so important. Suddenly you're not, you're not thinking or in the hospital. You're not thinking about all those plans you had. You're not thinking about all those places you were wanting to go and all those things that you've been taking pleasure in and enjoying. They're not, they're not having their pull on you right then. Something else has become a much bigger priority, and it's right before you, and it's big. And so it was for this man that was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsha, and how that he was right then saying, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, and you're fighting against me. Now, do you want to argue with that? Nope, don't want to argue with that. I'm hearing you loud and clear. I'm persecuting you. Well, Lord, let me show you my change of attitude. What will you have me to do? And the Lord said, well, it will be told thee what thou must do. No wiggle room. No loophole in the contract. No negotiating here. This is what you got to do. When that man's spirit came into alignment with God, and he absolutely said, I'm not going against you. I'm not fighting you. I'm not going to resist you any longer. I'm not going to listen to people that send me out on assassin-like hits here. I'm not doing that because he'd held many into prison, men and women alike. He'd held the raiment or the clothing of them that stoned some of God's children. He said, not going to do that anymore. I absolutely am telling you, God, what will you have me to do? My hands are up. I'm in surrenderment. And the Lord said, you're going to go to a certain city. And you're going to go to a certain place. A certain house. The street will be called straight. And I'm working on the other end of the line. I've got me a witness, a preacher. His name is Ananias. He'll be coming to see about you. You just get there and make sure your heart is ready for what he has to tell you. In walks the preacher after God had to convince him a little bit. I don't think I want to go near Saul. No, don't send me to Saul. Not Saul. Not Saul, God. Now, God, you know I've been doing many things. I've been praying to be used of you, but not Saul. Not Saul. That's not what I meant. The Lord said, he's ready. He's not like, he's not like uh, Ephraim. He said he's cooked on both sides. I didn't cook him just on one side. Baked on one. He's got both sides. And it's working its way all the way through. Now, you go do your part. Go on over there. You, I got that temperature thing in there. You go on there and read his temperature. Because I got him praying. I got him ready, friend. He's just waiting. He just needs you to come right now. And so Ananias went on over there, no doubt a little reluctantly, knocked on the door. They opened the door. And, you got a guy named Saul in here? Yeah. Oh, I got the right house. Okay. Okay, have you got him sedated? Have you got him chained? <laughs> Is he in a cage? And he said, no, he's right over there praying. Really? Okay. Well, that's a good start. And so he went in, and he began to lay hands on him. And he even had such a change of heart, he called him Brother Saul. Brother Saul. Brother by faith. Reaching out to him. Seeing the right thing here. I'm seeing something here. This man is praying. Okay. Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, 
I want to make it clear who the Lord is, because he is both Lord and Christ. Acts 2.36. He is both Lord and Christ. He's not another one. He's not one of the old prophets risen up. He's not an also ran or a brand X. He is the very Christ. And, and Saul did just what Psalm 2 said. As, the, as the, the writer cried out and said, Why did the heathen rage? The unbeliever rage, in other words. All that unbelieving heart rages. Yeah. People get in a rage. They got a lot of unbelief going on there. And uh, why, why did they imagine what? A vain thing. A worthless thing. A useless thing. An obsolete thing. Something that is not going to be of any value in the final analysis. Why did they do that? Why did they rise up against the Lord and his anointed? Why did they do that? You, you often wonder why some people do what they do, but the answer is pretty simple. Those old works of the flesh, those old, that greed, that pride, you know, all those attitudes that come from beneath, from the strife and the envying, the envy what somebody else has. Oh, friend, to the point that they, they lust. They have a strong desire, no matter what, no matter what I have to do, no matter what I have to say in the way of a lie, no matter what happens, I've got to have what I want. All that's rising up. And they rose up. And the Bible said they said, burst asunder the bands. Don't want any controls. Don't want any accountability don't want anybody telling me what to do. Oh, friend, I want you to understand there's a big difference between the works of the flesh and people who are in the flesh and those that are, have the fruit of the Spirit and are operating in the Spirit. And when you get in the flesh, every good thing, you see it is wrong. And when you get in the Spirit, then you're going to see it God's way, eye to eye. What wilt thou have me to do? And you make it so much easier for the church. Just eased right in there. Brother Saul. The Lord, even Jesus, that hath appeared unto them. Oh, friend, let's go. We got a job to do. It's all kind of moving a little slow. And he said, hey. He said, why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? He said, let's go get baptized. Calling upon the name of the Lord. We've already established Jesus is the name of the Lord. Let's go call upon the name of Jesus in water baptism. Let's get that done. Come on now, Brother Saul. And boy, it wasn't long after that, old Brother Saul was teaching and said, I thank my God I spake in tongues more than you all. Woof! What a confirmation that he got the Holy Ghost. He said, I just couldn't stop. I just kept on and kept on. I just stayed under that spout where the glory was being poured out and I worshiped him and he spake through me. He confirmed that I was truly believing. I'd gotten baptized and he truly showed and confirmed. I spake in a new tongue or language and I did it more than all of you. <laughs> I got turned on, brother. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh yeah, this is good. You don't want just a little thimble full of this. I promise you, when they were coming out of Egypt, I told somebody the other day, I said, uh, somebody had, oh, just a bunch of nonsense, you know, and I, I said, you know, let me tell you something, a little godly humor to lighten the moment. And I said, um, because somebody, you know, actually somebody, sometimes people feel we can't do what we do because we're small. In the natural eyes, we are small. But, you know, the Bible said it's not by power, nor is it by might. It's not by numbers, and it's not by human strength. But it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. Gideon, how many you got? 30,000 warriors, men ready to go. God said, you got too many. Hey, wait, now, wait a minute, God. That's a big enemy out there. And they got a whole lot. Matter of fact, they got 180,000 of them out there. We only, we, I feel good about my 30,000, Lord, but, you know, if we figure the ratio, you can see that they got a lot more than us, you know. Maybe, uh, I don't know, about seven or eight times as much as us. Help us, God. And so, but it depends what kind of eyes and minds you're looking through. And uh, what did one man say? He said it, it, uh, the Lord could do with just one or two. And one place it said that a, uh, one could put 1,000 to flight and two could put 10,000 to flight.
That was quite a jump, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That second person way to go from one to 10,000. All right. So here we have, uh, I want to tell this little humorous story, this little godly humor, to uh, kind of lighten the moment there and put things in perspective. You know, you can put down people that are in God's church, and you can put down people's program, and you can belittle, but, um, you know, there's one thing about it. Our answer has always been, when people say, you can't do it, or how do you do it? We serve a very big God. I'm little. Together, collectively, we seem a little small. But we have a big God. We have a big God. And everybody said amen. We serve a very big God. And we want our God, everything, to be done unto the praise of His glory. Look what the Lord hath done. And it's so nice when he's done it through you. <laughs> it's so nice when he works through his people. It's so nice and refreshing and uplifting and faith-building and satisfying. Then you can walk right into the gates of your enemy. And they're all sitting around. And you can walk right in and say, oh, I feel good. Oh, I feel good. Look what the Lord hath done. I'm not ashamed. I'm not confounded. I can point to what the Lord has done. Amen. So, I told him about the researcher, the, the religious guy, who was, you know, just trying to, he's full of religion, had no salvation, and uh, full of unbelief. Somebody told me the other day that Steph, Stephen Hawking, who is about to win a Nobel Prize, uh, that he... Um, Famous physicist, he's very stricken and afflicted with, I think, multiple sclerosis, but his mind is very nimble and adept and has a lot of insight to scientific things. And um, so he, um, he doesn't like God. He doesn't like God in anything. And when a fella came along and proved through science and physics that God is the origin of everything, and when it went down to it, they said that Stephen Hawking said, well, they call it the cause. They don't like to say God. They don't like to call him by his name Jesus. So they just call it the cause. And when it came to the point that he couldn't debate or refute the cause that was being proven anymore, meaning God being proven, he said, well, he said, one has to acknowledge the cause. He said, but I don't like it. Interesting. Well, you know, some people just don't like the truth. Some people just don't like to have it that to God be the glory. Some people don't like that. And some people just have the wrong spirit. They have the wrong attitude. They, they don't, when you go into your family and you have this light, there's people in your family not going to like it. They're not going to like that light. Because your light is saying, you need to do it the Bible way. And let me tell it to you. And they don't like you. are saying I'm wrong. You're saying my religion is wrong. You're saying my life is wrong. And you're like, I didn't say anything of the kind. I'm just telling you how to be born again. But you know, there is a conviction that comes. There's a light that shines. And as that light shines, it's taking away darkness. And, and that leaves a person revealed for who and what they really are. It brings about great exposure. And boy, was Saul ever exposed that day, my friend, when that light, brighter than the noonday sun, came right down on him. And he said it was like there was nobody else anywhere. <laughs> Talk about just me and you, Lord. I, I, he did it. There ain't no he over there. She did it. There ain't no she over there. Looking around, uh-oh, I'm in the spotlight. I know people that want to always get the spotlight off of them. They don't want that spotlight on them. They don't want that light to begin to shine and show things for what they really are. They scurry and they hide from that. Well, anyway, I wanted to give a little levity to the situation. So I, I told the guy, I said, you know, when Moses led the three million plus or minus out of Egypt, and this guy was a um, researcher, and he, he decided he was going to prove that... Um, that God didn't do that and it was impossible and all this junk. So he came up with this. He said that the Red Sea was only six to eight inches deep. 
And I told the guy that's across the table from me. And I said, so you know what? I said, um, that means that God drowned the whole Egyptian army in six to eight inches of water. I'd say that's a greater miracle. I wonder how God did that. You know? Six to eight inches of water. That doesn't even make a good puddle, man. And we're talking about chariots of iron. We're talking about horses. We're talking about rough men in armor and spears and swords. And they're coming. And they're pounding. The whole earth is vibrating. And, and Moses has lifted the rod. And the river of Egypt, or the, the sea, the Red Sea rather, has split. And God's wind has made the land dry, the, 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 the water, the riverbed dry. And they begin to walk over it. They don't sink and the mud is not caking to them. It's all nice and dry. You know, even Jewish uh, history, uh, Jewish, uh, I should say, really their idea, their little tradition. And I don't buy it, but it sounds good. Uh, but it, they said when you went across from the two walls of the water, they said there was all manner of food. You could just pluck an apple out of you. <laughs> sounds good to me. I know these boys would be plucking M&Ms or something. But, um, you know, God does preserve and God does take care and God does provide. And he can do it in some mighty, wonderful ways that are beyond your uh, ability to understand. And uh, so I told the guy, and he got a big old laugh out of that one. And I said, so in other words, it is a great miracle that God can take a handful of people and that God can, can uh, produce a church to my east and God can produce a church to my west and God out of here can produce a church to my, to my north. Isn't that wonderful that God can do that? How great is our God? Out of just a, but God gets the glory. It did not the Savior, the Governor, the God of gods, King of kings in the flesh, did He not come out of, though thou art the least among these providences uh, and, and your little old Bethlehem, but out of you is going to come Him that's going to rule over my people. Out of you, you're that little, you're going to produce Him who is the Christ. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Because God's going to get the glory. We're going to give praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords who chose to show Himself visibly among us and walk among us and who manifests Himself through the church that He birthed and He gave birth to it. He kicked it off. He sent it forth. And it's going into all the world. And it's preaching the gospel to every creature everywhere. It is absolutely brought and continues to bring this gospel of the kingdom. And it's going to bring it to all nations before He returns. They're going to be hearing this repentance message. They're going to hear this water in baptism in Jesus' name message. And they're going to hear receive the Holy Ghost message and they're going to experience it until where the Bible teaches that there was a throne shown to John and one sat upon that throne and they absolutely gathered around it a number that no man could number. People that came out of who are they? Who are they? And the Spirit came back and said these are they that came out of great tribulation. They fought their way through because and they made it because they were on the right foundation because they build it out of the right material. These are not worthless people. These are important people. These are valuable people. These are people that are called by my name. His name is Jesus. Amen. 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 God knows his people. God knows those that are of a true heart. God knows those that die to the flesh daily. God knows those that are, are in the struggle. He knows those that are participating. They're not just sitting on the sidelines, spectators, but these are participators. These are people that are involved in the work of God. You need to get involved on a local level in the church. You need to get yourself involved. You need to say, I'm going to somehow, some way, I'm going to uh, get some time here, and I'm going to make that time. You know, if you're too busy to pray, you're too busy. And you're certainly not busy about the important things. If you're too busy to read the Word of God, you're too busy. Okay? You have to dial it back a little bit. You've got to make that time. You've got to have that quiet time. You've got to have that communicating time. And as you do that, you're digging deep. You're built, you know, if you learn to uh, 
enter into the closet and shut the door. Now, can that be a literal closet? Well, it can be. It can be. Maybe that's the only place in your house you got. Maybe that's the only little spot where you can get alone. Okay, fine. Uh, it can be a literal. But the point is, whether it's as big as this sanctuary, which has certainly been my prayer closet for many a year, or, and, and others, I've got others, because I make them where I go, friend. <laughs> it don't matter where I'm at. If, it's, if i got to pray, well, then I'm going to pray. That's it. Whether it be the car, or, or whether it be the closet, or whether it be the sanctuary, or whether it be the new building, whatever, you know, you've got to talk to the Lord. And you're there, you're best, that's good time, that's time well spent. you got a few moments, go ahead and turn it into prayer. Keep doing it, cumulative, you're adding it up, and you're adding it up, and before the Lord. And I'm saying to you, that in you enter into that prayer closet, and you shut the door, that means you absolutely determine, I'm going to shut everything else off. I'm not going to think about all the things that are on my list, my to-do list today. Now, I have a very special to-do list, because it's called a honey-do list. And I get it every day, honey, do this. Honey, could you do this? Honey, do that. And I don't like to hear, honey, did you do that? That always makes me worry. That always, you know, that's the one where I go, oh, I missed that one. <laughs> um, so you get, you get the to-do list. You hang it on a nail. And you tell yourself, I'm going to shut the door. I'm not going to hear the clamor of the noise out there. I'm not going to let the thoughts of the day and days get in here to my mind. I'm going to shut all that off. And I'm going to, I'm going to, have quality time with you, Lord. I'm going to focus. When we are with God, whether it be in the prayer closet or whether it be in the sanctuary, that, that's time for God. And we have to determine. And, and that's why. Hello. No cell phone. Turn them off. We don't want them. You don't want them on. And I would challenge you to absolutely, unless your job says you have to be on call, and sometimes Tom's on call, and that's why he's vibrating. Because he puts it on vibrate and they get them. Okay. And that's going to happen sometimes. But what I am saying to you, you're going you're gonna to have those moments where you know you can and you, you must do that. You must shut everything. And in so doing, you enter into your, let's add that adjective, secret closet. You enter into that private space where it's just going to be you and God. Then the book said, what you do in secret, then God will reward thee openly. He's, you don't have to go trumpeting around. I fasted today. I prayed today. Oh, well, that's nice. Okay. Good, good. We're, we're happy about that. You won't have to do that. You won't have to do that at all. If you enter in, first of all, you lose your reward when you start talking like that. You lose your reward with God. And you just get the, the reward. Your reward is somebody looking at you and saying, hey, man, that's great. That's all you get. That's it. That's the zenith. That's the top of it. You got somebody's praise. You got somebody to pat you on the back. You got somebody's admiration of man. But that's it. Now, I think that you would much rather desire the praise of God than the praise of men. Okay? And, and uh, if, men, if men praise you because they see God in your life, that's a whole different thing. That's a good thing. That, that's you letting your light so shine before men, that they may glorify who? Your Father which is in heaven. You're not competing with God. You're not wanting the bling of life so that you can walk around like a Christmas tree. You absolutely want God to be glorified. You want everything to be done unto the praise of His glory. You want everything to be going upward along with your heart in your hands. And that God is the one that's in the spotlight, if you please. He is the source of the spotlight. And you want, He's the light, right? Come on. You, this is what you want. It's not about preeminence. As you ever read that in your Bible about, in, in 3 John, about a certain guy by name, Demetrius, I believe, who wanted the preeminence. And because he wanted to be like the devil above everything that's in authority, namely God, that he absolutely wanted the preeminence. And because of that, he wouldn't let certain ones be a part that were brothers. He pushed them out. Oh, yeah, that's in your Bible. In your Bible. But the apostle said he's going to take care of him. And he will. God knows how to do this thing. God knows how to do what's right. You do your part. You start off by digging right. 
getting deep in the foundation. Bill, lay, making sure you're laying on the laying the foundation that is Jesus Christ and the, the apostles and the prophets. You get that straight in your life. You make a good repentance. You, you tell God, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. I don't want to be that person anymore. I want to be a new creature in Christ Jesus. I want you to make me a new creation. I want you to create in me, oh, creator of the whole universe and universes of everything, create in me a clean heart. You created the heavens and the earth, and you're going to create a new heaven and a new earth. Create in me a new world. Create in me a clean heart. Put that in me, Lord. Put that. And when you put the right spirit in me, then continually renew that right spirit in me. Help me to, I told the boys the other day, that I got four of them rooming, and I said, um, I said, is house clean? They said, yep, house clean. Got to go home, fold a, a few uh, of our laundry. But other than that, house is clean. I said, okay. I said, now listen, when it comes time to do the bathrooms, I said, treat it like a car. You know how you detail those cars? I said, well, you detail those bathrooms. I said, because we don't want any staph infection. We don't want to spawn any little flesh-eating bugs, bacteriums, you know. So you be sure that you detail. I want them spick and span. I want them shine, you know, like you get that armor all out on those tires. You get in there and get those tiles shining real good. Get the, get the grout in between nice and clean. You get right down on it. Well, you know what? You know, we, we want to look at our lives that way. God, I, wanna, I want you to make a new person out of me. I want you to clean me up here. I want to repent. I want to repent. I want to turn away from Satan and all his junk, and I want to turn to you. I want to turn from darkness and turn to the, to the light here. And, and I want to walk in the light. I want to live in the light. I want to be in the light here, Lord. And I want to be a part of the light. And I want you to, I, I like the song for the Sunday school kids, you know, this little light of mine, you know what? But you know what? If you get into church and you grow in grace and knowledge, it's not going to be a little light for too long. It's going to be a great big light. And people are going to, you've been visiting the prayer room. You've been reading the book. You've been pushing back the plate. You've been uh, involved in yourself in the church and the work that God has, you're, in, you're a, a, a participator in it. You get involved in your life. People are going to see it. People are going to see the improvement that you're not the old person you used to be. You're not the way you used to be. I had a guy got real mad at me in the beginning because he said, I'll bet you I can throw the football further than you. And I said, well, I'll throw it with you. I said, but I'm not going to bet. A week ago you would have bet. I said, well, a week ago I wasn't baptized in Jesus' name. Things have changed. And they change for the good. Okay? You let the Lord, you know. And that, that's why people will, uh, they'll, they'll cuss around you, you know, and then they'll go, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's just something about you. I had a guy tell me the other day, stop me and you say, and he said, do I know you? And I'm looking at him, I go, I shook his hand, I said, I'm not sure. He said, what do you do? I said, well, I'm a preacher. And he said, I knew it. He said, you got the mark upon you. Well, I hope so. I've told, a lot of people told me that through the years, and I tell them I hope I do look like a preacher. And I hope you have the right idea of what a preacher should look like. <laughs> Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, well, you, you want to look like a saint of God. You want to look like a child of God. You want to speak like a child of God. You want to think like a child of God. Amen. And you know, you get upset, you don't cuss. You hear me? Because no, the Bible teaches you that no filthy communication is to come out of your mouth. Because, you, you know, if you, if you do that when you're little, mama's going to clean your mouth out with soap. And then she's going to light you up with Tabasco. Okay? All right. So um, after a while, you just have to show the bottle or the, sorrow, boat, uh, the, the keg of uh, soap, the bar of soap. Just have to show it to them. And then, whoo, all right? Okay. Well, I'm saying, you get the Holy Ghost. God cleans up the source of that tongue. He cleans up your mind. And that's why when you start believing in your heart or your mind, that he sends forth his spirit into your heart or your mind, and he does the talking with that most tongue of yours. And the Bible said, no man can tame, but God can tame it because God goes to the source of it. God sends forth his spirit into your heart, your mind. 
crying, Abba, Father. You speak forth, Abba, all right. You speak forth in another tongue or another language, and God is confirming that you were believing, and now you are a true believer in his eyes. You have just been born again of the Spirit. And that, see, that brings in the spiritual element and removes the human element. See, the human element, hey, let's shake hands. I can shake hands all day long, but that doesn't give you the Holy Ghost, okay? That's a human element. I can, I, I can teach you the Word of God, and, and it's a spiritual thing, but it still, you know, only goes so far until God gets involved. Now, when God gets involved, then you're introducing the spiritual element. And as we introduce this spiritual book and the words that are spirit and life, then we, we're leaving the human, we're leaving the natural, and we're getting into the spiritual realm. And we get to a place where your heart reaches a level of faith in God that God is going to confirm that you are believing because your faith rises to the point that you repent because the Bible tells you to repent. And except you repent, you shall perish, the book says. So you, your faith of God's word, the teaching of it, witnessing of it, you begin to rise in a level of believing here, and you repent because the Bible said do it. You say, well, I believe it, so I do it. Okay. And then, he, and then he tells you to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all of your sins, and you do it because you're believing. He that believeth and is baptized shall, future tense, be saved. And you do that. Now you're born again of water. And then... You go, and you, like Ezekiel, and you're getting into waters that cannot be swum over. You've passed the, the ankle. You've passed the waist. Now you're out into waters that you couldn't even swim over. You're talking about the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the living God. And that's when you receive the Holy Ghost. That's, that's when you, your faith rises to the place that you, you absolutely lift your hands, and the Spirit of the Lord comes in and, and confirms that you are believing. And he says, in his eyes, that you are now a believer because he fills you with the Holy Ghost and as you're believing in this heart, he then speaks through you and you confess with this mouth. And it's a spiritual element. It's the introduction of the Spirit into your life. You go through repentance, that's you're at the brazen altar where they would put the sacrifice and the flames were continually to burn. And as you pass through that, then you had to wash at the laver. That's your water baptism. And then you had by prayer and the bread, the word of God, uh, and, and you had to, and the light that was in there. That all guided you to the altar of prayer. And that would bring you then by him, by Jesus on the cross, through his flesh, brings you into the holiest of holies. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the presence of the Almighty God. And he's got a gift for you. He's going to give you the gift of His Spirit. He's going to send His Spirit into your believing heart, and it's going to begin to cry, Abba, which means Father. And everybody said Amen. Amen. And you become His son or daughter, and He becomes your Father. Let's give the God of heaven and earth a big hand clap. Amen. Amen. Thank God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Well, stand with me. I'm glad to be in God's house. I hope you are. And I believe you are. And our God is a great and a mighty and a wonderful God. And you get your mind right on Him. And we want to worship Him here this morning. Let's take a moment right now as we begin to sing. Lift our hearts with our hands. Let's love Him together in unity, shall we? Father God, thank you for everything. For everything, O oh Lord God. We praise Thee, O oh Lord. We worship Thee, O Lord. We bless and magnify Your holy name. We thank You, Lord, for the great truth of the Scriptures. Thank You, Jesus. Come on. Yeah. I want to clap a little louder than before. I want to be a little more enthusiastic. I want to sing a little louder than before. Put on. 